All right. Welcome to the Tech for Good podcast. This is the HR tech season. And I'm here today with Jackie Clayton, the hyphenate. That's right. Hyphenate. Isn't that a cool word? <laughs> that, is a, that is a cool word. And we use that because you sit between all the different worlds in that HR tech ecosystem. Is that fair to say? I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> I do. You're at Seekout. Did I see that they recently uh, got a big exit? We didn't get an exit, but we got a big boatload of money. Did you get paid? Well, I do get paid, you know, on the 1st and 15th or, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Someone said that to me. They said, congratulations on your $65 million raise. And I'm like, wow. mm haven't quite got that yet but thanks i'm sure it's coming <laughs> i'm sure it's coming how how long have you been in the hr tech world so i would say technically starting in 2013 is when i made kind of a pivot to looking at the hr tech world starting with um i started when i was at ere i uh, media and i was focused on TLNT, the TLNT brand. And so I started looking at different organizations starting then and realizing that there's so many different types of HR tech. And so I kind of, I guess I started, I was really curious about it, trying to find out how does it all work? Yeah. Because they all seem to compete for spend, but do very different things. Okay. So what are the four or five key things that everybody's trying to solve out there right now? Right now, I think people are trying to solve diversity and inclusion, of course. I think people are trying to solve engagement. And even though this is kind of old, they're trying to uh, solve like candidate experience slash employee engagement. It's one of those things where they're trying to create more relationships and, and being together. And they're also trying to solve a lot of culture things, okay. which is funny. I will say majority of people are trying to solve non-technical issues with technology. That seems uh, to be the push. All right. Which out of those are you most interested in? Well, diversity and inclusion, duh. Right. Did you not? I know you read my bio, you tell me. <laughs> so um, I am curious about the diversity and inclusion space. Mostly, I would say because I find it I find it fascinating that you're taking something that can be like infinitely personal yeah, and then late, you have to label it. And so it's infinitely personal, but a person who may not be as technical doesn't realize how technology works mm. and so gets bothered. And it's, and it's trying to find that balance. So you have change management, you have emotional IQ, you have data databases asking the right questions to get to the right answers. And then you have the personal part where it's like, what do we want to expose? Because you have to be transparent when you're doing this work. So mm. I find it fascinating. Can, can we talk about the elephant in the room? Yeah. What about the Megan and Harry stuff that's going on right now? You know what? Okay. So I saw it. Okay. And I was not surprised, crushed. I just felt bad. I mean, these are the things that we've been talking about. I'm funny. That's not the elephant in the room. That tiger is the elephant. I was like the tiger in the room. I forgot I, forgot I kept it. 
Um, but I think it is interesting for some people, especially like one of the things that that people didn't know about the whole royal family, and it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz, like you're seeing the the man behind the curtain. Um, so I think that is amazing. Some of the things I absolutely related to, um, and, and I was just, I just felt bad and I felt really bad because she's pregnant and I was like, oh my gosh, please don't, you know, make her upset. The, the, the backlash over here is really interesting. Um, yeah, tell me. So Irish man, full disclosure, um, living in the UK, uh, there's a lot of hatred for her, um, on the over 50s mm-hmm. and the under 50s are kind of more like well sure why wouldn't they go and live their own life right. and that fascinates me i'm like and and it, it's yeah it's a and the british media is horrible like really really horrible um but this is like somebody be listening to this going, I can't believe he's saying that. And then they get really angry. So people people are really emotional about this subject. But like, how? I mean, I suppose that where I'm going with this is like, clearly the royal family do not have a diversity and include. No, but politics. here's the thing. This is exactly the same case that we're dealing in the States. I live in Texas, but this is the thing that I've I've come to in some of my work and research. There's an element of things from when you look at, like, I'm just going to say white culture versus non-white culture, which is, I mean, there's a lot. That's a lot in between those things. But just hear me out for a minute. So you have this culture where it was set up. You had people coming here, taking things that weren't theirs, setting up governments. And so it was kind of based still on the what was going on over in England, right? So it's like, okay, this I'm I'm at this person, this is me, this is you, and you earn all of these different spots. Mm-hmm. And so you have over in in um, you know, you're looking at at the royal family. This is something that you're born into, mm-hmm. and you have expectations. And the further you get away from that, the more you're like, well, well, we'd never do that because we're not in the bloodline and I'm not royal and I'm not a princess and I'm not this or that. And so people just accept that. They're like, I can't get in because I don't have a lot of money and I didn't go to boarding school and I didn't. And then you have this person who from especially this entitlement told them, guess what? You totally could have been a princess. You just didn't do the right thing. And then they're like, wait, you're supposed to be at the absolute bottom of the pecking order. Sure. Like for sure. Like I'm not going to get it, but you for sure aren't going to get it. Cause there's this, like this thought process. And so I look at it and, and here, of course, you know, our system, we don't have a, a queen in the United States. However, you have people that were like, this is mine. I've earned it just for being here. My dad was a farmer. I'm going to own the farm. My kids are going to be farmers. And we accept that. And that's the life that we were given. Mm. And then you are going to be a worker. You're going to be a low level worker and we're going to pay you crap wages. And that's just the way it is. And you have these people coming in, taking what a group thinks was promised, absolutely promised. And at the very least, I'm going to be better than that person. So I think it comes out of jealousy, but it also comes from this 
false sense of reality that you've actually earned something just for being there. Yeah, that's interesting. They uh, they they really do have a class system in the UK, and it's built out of the public private school education system as much as anything else so you'll find that that's another divide as well for me i'm like an alien i'm like a country irish person <laughs> living in amongst it like so um I, I probably have a more introspective opinion on it so how would you sure. fix how would you fix diversity and inclusion in the royal family oh i wouldn't fix it <laughs> are you kidding <laughs> Just go do for it. i mean you can't force people to like each other and love each other and do all those things i mean we're we're not talking about 40 years, 100 years, 200 yeah. years. I, I find it fascinating. So my grandfather, my grandfather was from England. And in the United States, like I did my um, work on my family tree, in the United States, it ends in the 1800s, because black people were, were looked on as property, and they were there was no information on the census. Hmm. On my English side of the family, or my UK side of the family, I'm all the way back to like the 1400s. And it's like the same neighborhood. I mean, yeah. it just says a lot. Like y'all never moved. They just yeah. That's where my family's from. It's a small place, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's fast forward seven hundred years and jump <laughs> jump into. Um, okay, it's day one, right? Yes. I'm a tech founder. I have a big bag of money. Let's say it's sixty million, right? Yeah. Jackie, what do we do? How how can I make sure I'm practicing what I'm preaching here? How can we make this a diverse workforce? What do I have to worry about? Like, you know, all these coders are all white dudes. Like, how am I going to fix this problem? Well, having a bunch of white dudes is not the problem. The problem is there's something that we need to solve. We want to have a mass appeal. We want to get more bags of money. We want to make sure that in order to do that, we want to make sure everybody's taken care of. I mean, you can look at your organization as almost like a big party. Like if you were having a wedding, you would know that we need a wheelchair for grandma. We know Susie's coming and she's vegan. We know that, you know, they have a lot of kids and we don't want them touching the cake, right? So you look at the organ, you look at all of these different groups that you're bringing to make sure that everybody can just enjoy the day. Mm. So it's the same thing with your organization. So, okay. We want to make sure that we have the mass appeal. How can we do that? Let's look at who we have in our organization. And more importantly, let's look at whose opinions we haven't factored into our decisions here. And so that's why we want to have a diverse team and a culture that embraces that team. Mm. Because what's cool is that you're building the tech, creating the tech and innovating together at the same time you're learning to work with each other and keep each other in mind as you're trying to have this big party, which is mm. the product. And so what happens over time is you are starting to relate to people that you didn't before. You have different pieces that are built within the product that make it inherently better that you never even considered. And you really need to look at your team and, and keep going because it doesn't stop. We want the culture that we have today, we want to have a culture that embraces change and rewards people for their opinions and innovation. All right, gone to your head. Coca-Cola, whoever owns it. <laughs> yeah. Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> gone to your head, says, Jackie, pick, 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 pick the tech stack right now. 
I need you to solve all the problems we have. What's the five <laughs> top thing? What's the five top tools that we well, need to first, buy? First, I would dial 911 secretly. You don't um, have a phone. You don't have a phone. Dang, dang. Well, then the first, let's get phones in the house. <laughs> we'll start with phones. Um, I would say, I mean, the first tool that I would look at is making sure that we have like an applicant tracking system. I would make sure that we have something for those. Well, come on. It's not a real, I don't know if it's a popular opinion of what your opinion. That's what we're here for. My opinion. That's what you're here for. You know, the one that I, 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 I don't want to hurt anybody. I like, but I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I like, maybe it's because I'm old school, but I like some of the bigger branded ones that have multiple facets. Like I need one that has an all-in-one tool. I want things to do more than just. What name's in your head right now? I'm not gonna go on. Tell you, I'm not, I can't. The only only one I'm like, the only one I'll tell you is Seek Out. That's the (laughs) only brand that I will tell you. (laughs) But, But I have a gun to your head here, come on. I would just take one for the team, but, but I would say on the way down, (laughs) make sure you have a CRM (laughs) fading. But I, I, I think what, I think what's most important is having a way to communicate with each other internally, having a way to communicate with each other easily and seamlessly. And so I think, you know, I think tools like Slack are really important and getting people comfortable with that. I think that's gonna, that's gonna, that helps people and help keep thoughts organized, especially because we're remote. And I think I have to look at it a little differently now that we've become remote because some tools that worked, um, I don't know are, are if they're the most efficient now that we're all spread throughout. Tell me what, uh, what other tools for the internal workings are really important? You know, here's the thing. I don't know if there's, I don't, I think right now there's so many tools that are there when we're looking at the internal workings. I want, I think more than tools, it's really a way to organize data. So I jokingly say seek out, but I love seek out because it helps find diverse tools, but it also helps track like the people that have been there before. and I, I think there are just some, if somebody came with a gun to my head, I would say it's not the tech, it's the it's the processes. So I would have to look internally about how we're moving forward in this process. So I'll give you an example. Okay. Um, I talked to an organization uh, last week and they said, our CEO said, we're increasing diversity by 30% and we're starting with females. I said, okay, how, who have you lost in the last two years? And they said, I don't know. I was like, okay, well, let's go in. So we went and did this company alumni search and we looked at just the last two years and it's a large global organization. So in the last two years, they lost 5,000 people have left the company. Right. And of that 5,000 people, 2,000 were women. So I said, oh, hey, I got some bad news. And they were like, what? I was like, you have to increase, if you're looking at gender diversity, you have to increase it by 75%. That means three out of every four need to be women if you're gonna be able to maintain a 30% increase when you're already losing 40% to be able to get that number. Sure. Um, and so, I, so a tool that would be able to do that, to let people know where they are and also be able, then you look back, that was 
like two in the last two years, but you look back in the last five years to see where you're having the gaps, because not only were we able to see they lost 2000 women, we were also able to see they lost 2000 women in the New York City area, most of which worked within technology. That's where your gap is. That's where you need to start. So people like to say, oh, I'm going to grab this tool and it's going to help me with diversity and inclusion. But sometimes the way that it does it is by exposing, you know, for some reason you lost 500 black software engineers in the last five years, which is more than most companies have ever wanted to hire. Hmm. There's a problem here and it looks like it stems in San Francisco and it looks like it's within these ranks. Do you know who could be in those yeah. <laughs> organizations? That's where your training opportunity is. Given things have gone remote now, is it yes. easier to have a more diverse workforce? Like, should companies be held more accountable to that now, given that, like, okay, San Francisco, it's a pretty white area. <laughs> like, it's white dude central. Yeah. But, like, if you have the whole country to go at. It's easier to recruit. It's harder to retain. Oh, it's harder to retain. So... The instance is that before you have people, even if people are underrepresented and they work at a company, they're still building relationships within the company, right? You know, they have their office mate or they have the people that they enjoy working with, have opportunity to network with people in other departments um, just from seeing people and having that connection. Now you are limited to going over Slack or having Zoom calls all day and, um, so they don't have as much of, of a connection. And so when a person is sitting there on their own and they don't have anything to do, you don't, who's trying to connect with them? You have other organizations that are like, hey, yeah. I'll connect with you, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so it's like, you know, you look left, you look right. And you're like, I'm here by myself. I don't feel the love. So I'm going to go where I feel the most comfortable because people are desperate for connection right now. So yeah. it's easier to find because you don't have to move from, you know, North Carolina to San Francisco. But we're also not embracing everything within those cultures. Um, it's also easy to forget those diverse groups. You'll find because you'll have Silicon Valley or places in San Francisco that are hiring maybe more uh, East Coast or people in New York, Baltimore, all other other places. But then having meetings at five o'clock p.m. <laughs> and it's like, wait, I live on the East Coast. Those that time frame doesn't work. How do we so get I the balance? How do we get the balance between? Uh connection too much connection too much monitoring like well that's a tricky one like i have a remote team and if i was to give them too much attention they'd be like he's such a fucking pain in the ass <laughs> and if if i don't do it enough they'd be like are, are you okay uh, and, and so and i only know that from knowing them over a period of time and this is not at scale like how yes how do you work yes. that out when, when it goes into like busy managers and like proper size companies? I think what's nice. And so I think it's another, you've always, you've, people always talk about like um, having ERGs to help people connect, you know, employee resource groups, it's an employee resource group or um, different groups. But I think what's cool to do is to start forming, not necessarily ERGs for the purposes of diversity and inclusion, but like it is diversity and inclusion in that it, it focuses on people's likes so that you have groups connecting with each other. 
and then bringing that information back. So like you can have a Peloton group or a cooking club or yeah. something so people can connect and it's not about work because uh-huh. that's the problem when people are like, so what are you working on? Then you're like, dude, would you freaking stop calling me? Or the opposite of that, where they're not calling you and the person's sitting there again, spinning out of control, thinking they're going to get fired any second because no one's paying attention. So you have to have a, a balance of that, but then be very transparent about what's going on in the company so that people feel connected yeah. and also thank people. We at at Seekout, one thing that we do every week, we have two all company-wide calls every week. But on one of them, what's so nice is like the first 15 minutes, it's a gratitude where people thank each other. And sometimes it'll be like, everyone's thanking this one person on the team. Mm-hmm. You're like, I didn't know that he did stuff like that. You're like, you get kind of a vibe where you feel that connection. so it's like a gratitude first before we jump into what everybody is doing, but you, you feel connected. And it's kind of a reminder that people are more than just the 400 by 400 pixels. So how, how can we keep companies more accountable to this? Because like, since Black Lives Matter and even just a bit before, it's become fashionable to like shout it from the rooftops, as we've seen in, in that Facebook uh, outburst. But like, <laughs> like in, real, in real terms, when you're in there speaking to board members of old white dudes and, and they're like, yeah, we're really for this. And you're like, you are now, like you weren't last year. Like how how do you hold them? How do they hold themselves to account? Like what? Like I don't know. I'm just I'm curious because you must have eyes on this for so long. Yeah. So I think one of the things that is important is that we recognize that this is a part of doing your job, and that's the expectation. And you you do the things that you would do if somebody wasn't performing at peak performance in doing their job, aka you get rid of the people that aren't helping you meet your company goals. Mm. It's it, it it is not as complex you hire it's like how do we hire someone and hold somebody accountable well what do you do to salespeople when they don't meet their quota year after year after year after year yeah you bend them yeah and 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 i think it is also being transparent of i think people do really crazy things when they know that people are looking like okay so don't laugh at me but you can laugh at me it's okay so I do this workout thing for this online thing called Obey. They're not sponsoring this podcast, by the way. But... This podcast is brought to you by Obey. <laughs> Which, when I found, a beautiful I, thought, body. <laughs> I kept calling it Obe. And when they said, oh, it's pronounced Obey, I was like, whoa, it's just a cult. I'm not really sure. So anyway, I'm doing the workout and I'm not feeling it. And I and then she goes, Jackie and Waco. And all of a sudden I was like, best you know i'm like i'm jumping jacks or whatever but she couldn't see me but i just feeling that i was being called out for like my awesome jumping jacks yeah. made me sit up a little more curious so did I, they have that to your heart rate or did they have anything to monitor no nothing they, they just have. knew my name was on the slide that i was present in the class huh. i could have been really flat on the couch not doing anything <laughs> they would have been like look at jackie wake up go and i could have been but like, you felt involved I did. And so and it helped me stay accountable. So I think you need to, I need, I don't think it's rude to call somebody out. Like you look at a scorecard, this is what's going on in this organization. This is, these are the people that have the, like the, 
they are rewarded, but also recognized for the efforts that they're making in diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. But you also say these are the ones that have challenges and build out plans. What's working for this group over there? And you build out plans in order to add just as much as how are you going to help our company reach their goals? Diversity and inclusion being one of those goals. Everybody should have to add that to their objectives and, yeah. and their responses. If you're hiring for your own team, Jackie, yeah, would you say to the recruiter, don't don't send me the resumes. I want blank. I want blanked out profiles. So I'm just judging people on their merits. Or do you want to actually see a resume? No, I want to see a resume. But maybe it's because I'm old. I yeah. just, I, I, I need, I need to write it down. <laughs> I need to look I ask at it. Because I speak to lots of founders and they keep saying to me, the resume's dead. Like it's not equitable. It's not equitable. Like we, it's not fair. So um, because there's bias, there's an inherent bias. Oh, you went to that. You know what is there is more bias in those founders' heads than on that little piece of paper. And if they are broken by a piece of paper, they have problems bigger than the team that they need, right? Like if you, it's your own bias. Put them on the phone. Don't get them. <laughs> the bias is there's no bias in the piece of paper. It's you interpreting the bias. So yeah. you're telling me it's less when you don't look at a piece of paper and you meet the person, you're going to have less bias. I don't think so. I but don't I think, think so. what they're saying is that let's say there's 50 applicants and mm-hmm. um, you make the choice based on their actual merits and maybe there's a bit of testing and then you meet them. So maybe more diverse people get through the process in a fair way as opposed to you like flash looking at a resume going okay you kind of look like me you went to a similar school to me you know, you're probably all right because i can reference point that so yes. to take it away from the person is that not something i that- think i think you can do it but you have to be very explicit in the way that you do it so i want a resume but i do think you need to take the formatting out of a resume um take all of the formatting out of all resumes because it turns out well well take the formatting out of the resume take the names of the schools out of the resume take okay. the like you know take those things but i still want to see the picture yeah because i want i i it doesn't just show me um the skills i would hope that the recruiter would have gone through and filtered some of those things out but it also allows me to see what you think your top skills are. And I want to talk about some of those experiences. Now, do I go line for line when I when I interview people? No, I don't go line for line for everything in the resume. But I do think it brings out interesting stories. Mm -hmm. But the issue that I have with um, concealing some of the personal information, it's like me saying to you, okay, don't think about pizza. You totally just thought definitely having it for dinner now. Right, right. Like you totally <laughs> So me saying, okay. So <laughs> if I tell you, don't try to figure out this person's gender or education. Just look at the key skills. You automatically are trying to figure it out on your own and play a little game with yourself. And there are certain things that will make you more aware. Like, oh, I bet you that's Amazon, and I bet you they did that. Oh, they only do that at Apple, or they only do that at Google, or I recognize that from something else. So then you could be doing like confirmation bias that you made up. So then when you meet the person, you've already rewritten their resume in their head and it's not even true, but you can't get rid of it because that's your memory of something that didn't even exist. Oh, my head's going to explode. I know, right? This is deep stuff. You shouldn't see. This is good stuff, right? 
Um, <laughs> fa- favorite. Now that we're in, in in on this rabbit hole that I didn't think I was going to go on, but you're you're an interesting lady. So, um, favorite interview question. My favorite interview question is that I ask or that I've received. My favorite question is, um, did I did I ask did I forget to ask you something that you prepared for that you thought I would ask? Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, like, do you get their script or do they pause and try and make something up or do they go, no, it's uh, it's fine. Like, what what what's the most common? <laughs> well, the most I'll tell you the most embarrassing. This was yeah. like hideous last week. Um, and it tells you how bias happens even to the best of them. They said, you didn't ask me what I thought, how I felt about diversity. You asked me what I thought about diversity, but you didn't ask me how I felt about it. And I was like, dang, that's okay. Sorry. I felt really weird about it. And I go, yeah, I guess I didn't. I guess I just, again, like everybody else, like I made the assumption that you were into it based on your answer, but I didn't ask how you felt about it. You're right. I need to do that. So I took a step back and I asked. And then they, the, the response was awesome because they said, I think it's important. And I was like, okay. All right. Weird. Yeah, so, that, is, that is weird. But I, most people. <laughs> Did you jump back into the interpersonal <laughs> skills piece? Of the I interview? totally like took the rest of the half of the day off and went back <laughs> to my Obey workout class because I felt I was like in an alternate yeah. universe. Um, but I have gotten, what the reason I ask is because, you know, people prepare. I'd love to hear if people prepare for resumes or interviews. Yeah. and they prepared all day on the question like where you see them in five years they have it memorized or already and you didn't ask the question and they're like oh man they didn't even ask me it so it's one of the um, reasons i don't uh, i don't give people questions before they come on the podcast and uh because even if they are a good guest if they're pr to death forget about it like yeah you know. completely completely on my podcast like we don't i don't know if you've heard um uh the podcast that i do but we we don't even put the topic like we're like let's just like what's going on that you want to talk about because there's always so much yeah. you know or maybe we just like to hear our own voices I don't know. Uh, yeah uh, it, i tend to just jump into whatever subjects are important at that moment and we've got a we've got a, a staffing firm and that supplies to the hr tech community and one of the, the exercises that we did was to figure out what was important to the team and it came out that diversity and inclusion and all of these things were. So I was like, huh, I haven't really thought about that. And they were like, yeah, you probably haven't. <laughs> we, <know>. like, <laughs> we have. And I said, but you're, you're all women and you're from, you're like, you're from, you're calling, like you're from uh, half Algeria and half Dublin. Like I think, and they were like, no, no, inherently you just have a balanced team. Like, so it hasn't really crossed your mind, but it's a big problem out there. And I was like, oh, okay. So then we explored it a bit further. And then I was like, oh, this is quite an interesting topic. So, and then we'll do this for a bit and then maybe some other topic will come up and then we'll steer into that for a little bit. And I like to do it until I know it. Yes. And it could, and it could be, next thing you know, you'll be, you'll be buying my inclusive AF podcast. <laughs> you'll be like, I need it because we are totally inclusive now. We'll just be teaming up. That, that's a brilliant name for a podcast, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Even though I was like, can we have an exclusive list? Like our douchebag of the day. Like we were like inclusive, except for, you know, Frank in Iowa. Let's talk about Frank in Iowa today. Tell me, who inspires you in the HR tech community? I would say 
I get inspired a lot by um, John Sumser inspires me a lot. Um, Why? Because he's really doing a lot of work on the ethics in AI right now and trying to build out ethics team and doing a lot of work and digging all of those things out. Um, And so I think some of that work is absolutely fascinating Um, and, and trying to do it till it's done. Like not just let's have a round table and, and we'll, we'll break off. Um, but I think that I think that the work that he's doing is is been fascinating. Okay. And uh, anybody else that jumps to mind? Well, I, I think maybe I have to make sure that that I, I think so, but I'm like, I haven't done a lot of research where I could say specifically on some of the projects that are most recent. So I don't like wanna yeah. I don't wanna mess up and say something that's not true <laughs> <laughs> but i right now i'm inspired by the people brave enough to try to tackle some of these topics mm. um and so i think that's the main piece because there is so much going on right now mm. that I, I think and going back to you saying about your team talking about diversity and inclusion it's almost like we've been limited in our ability to travel we've been a, a limited in our ability to connect in our own communities let alone traveling to other places it's almost like diversity and inclusion has become important because it's almost like our own version of travel mm. it's the way that we can connect with other people that we opportunities we wouldn't have before through people instead of experiences mm. and the more we do that the more i think it makes people curious and come up with some really brilliant ideas so i'm glad i'm excited for you to start a journey yeah, final question. What makes you hopeful and excited for the future with all the stuff that we've talked about today? Except for the royal family. I think... <laughs> wah, wah. Um, <laughs> um, I think what makes me excited and hopeful, honestly, is us having this conversation in the first place. Um, I'm hopeful because, you know, you took a lot of lumps online and people gave you a lot of uh, grief. Um, but you took the opportunity to start educating yourself, looking at the situation, making a diverse uh, play and make, trying to make space and amplify voices. Things like that make me hopeful. Okay. So I appreciate you so much for oh, the opportunity. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> I'll, take, uh, I'll take 24 hours of hatred online anytime <laughs> for two minutes of your love. Well, I hope I hope you keep me in the loop and tell me about how great all of your diversity is and how it's working. And we can we can, you know, recap a year from now on the anniversary. We can talk about the difference diversity has made on your career and, and in your organization. Yeah, I'm sure it will do. All right. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, and just before you go, shout out about your podcast again. So everybody yes. knows where to find you. It's the Inclusive AF Podcast. You could find it on. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot away there. <laughs> Inclusive AF podcast. You can find it anywhere you like to listen to your podcasts. Oh, I like that. I like that. How do you advertise it normally? We, we don't. We suck at it. Like, we both do DEI work, so we don't even do it. We, like, send one tweet and one LinkedIn post. That's how we promote our podcast. Right. We don't have time for anything else. We should, we should, uh, we should find out how to do that better. <laughs>